Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Hang on. Can I do my gag? I've told you my gag already. <laughs> What's the gag? I do my gag. It tells it needs a Yorkshire action, which I can't do, you see. So what about the gravestone? It doesn't help you back on any of no, the So what about the gravestone? Do I do it? Do I do it? Do it with the Yorkshire accent. No, I can't do Yorkshire Start again. Where well, it goes, um, there's this bloke, right? And uh, he's been married for years. And uh, the old wife, you know, shuffles off her mortal coil. And uh, he has to order up a gravestone. So this is a Yorkshire right. accent. This is not, I'm not doing no. a Yorkshire accent. I can't no. do a Yorkshire accent. I'll try and do a Yorkshire accent. It's set in Yorkshire. And, uh, and so he goes up there and the guy says, what do you want you know, chiselled on your gravestone? And he says, well, she were a very... Here comes the Yorkshire accent. <laughs> she were a very religious type. No, he says, uh, we're very religious, great believers in, in the Lord. So I would, I would like, on the gravestone, to, to say, she was thine. So he goes back in a couple of weeks to have a look at his gravestone, and he's not happy with it. And he goes, why not? I said, look, you left an E off. It says, she was thin. And he says, uh, you know, come, come and put the E back in. I'll come back and, you know, this is where it all gets a bit more yorkshire isn't it? He says, come on, I might pay for it then. So he goes back a couple of weeks' time, and I look at it, he's furious. He says, that's no good. So why says he put the E in the wrong place? E, she was thin. <laughs> It made me uh, reminded me of my plan to get Juliet Cromwell into one of these podcasts. <laughs> Juliet Cromwell, who, who sells ads on Word and Mixmag, and the uh, rave and, uh, Juliet Cromwell is fabulous. Bosch Sprite, she's, she's, known. <laughs> she's the Bosch Sprite. Yes, and, and Juliet is what twenty six or something like that. Yeah, and she booked an ad not long ago for a group called Hogwind. And she was also interested uh, to hear that David Byrne had made a record with Brian Eno. 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 Oh, right. Yeah, Eno used yeah. to be in... Uh, yeah, so I thought we could do a whole list of mispronounced rock legends, courtesy of Juliet Cromwell. Just get a, just get a reading them out. Yes, <laughs> yes. And people who thought were an individual rather than a group. Jethro Tull. I worked with somebody who thought Catherine Wheel, I think, was actually... <laughs> <laughs> was a female singer. Ms. Wheel. <laughs> Ms. Wheel, that's right. 
Molly Hatchet, who's three more from her. Where are we? What are we talking about? Is this a word yeah. podcast? It is. Not? I do yeah, believe. Right, yeah. Okay. I hope so, because if not, I'm, I'm doing something terribly wrong. Anti names, Mark Ellen. Oh, yeah, Mark Ellen. Nice to yeah, talk to you. Yeah. Matt Hall. Pleasure as always. Uh, Matt Hall made his first commute from the, from the, the, uh, the flatlands of, uh, the of flat, Lincolnshire. The, yeah, the flat, the wolds. It's not the wolds, actually. How did, how did it go? It went beautifully, swimmingly well. And this was with, with your wireless um, internet connection on the... For free on the train, although, of course, um, at this time in the morning, the number of people trying to get onto a free wireless connection on the train means that it runs very, very slow. Oh, but even so, National Express. A okay. lot, lot of things you hear bad about train companies, but actually giving free wireless to everyone who's on the train. Is I don't complain like about train about companies very much. Mark Ellen complains about them hugely. What's it like in the country? Is it very damp? It, well, it, it, it's been damp. A man of mine moved to the country recently. He said he had those experiences straight out of Withnail. He's in a pub and someone comes up. Didn't actually try and offer him a couple of live eels, but tried to sell him a rabbit. Fantastic. Do you know where I went? <laughs> She's only come in for, you know, 20 Rothman and a pint of bitter. And it's a boat with a rabbit. <laughs> My friend Johnny. Alive or dead? Yeah, no, dead, dead rabbit, but, you know. Do you know where I went yesterday? Where? I went to Melton Mowbray Livestock Market. Uh, yeah. Did you score? I scored a big, <laughs> I sc- I scored a big pie, Mark. <laughs> It's the home of the pie, isn't it? it? it as, is as, now, uh, as now um, agreed by those nice people in Brussels. Oh, is it? I mean, News just top. in. It's a site of uh, specific, whatever they call it. Does it say home of pies when you drive in? Pretty it's much, yeah. What's the most ludicrous place you've ever been to in America that was the home of something? Because everywhere in America, oh, yeah. as Bill Bryson has pointed out in his various books, is always the home of something. You know, they will find even, even the most one horse town in America, matches. they will say, yeah. you know, home of the 131st Vice President of the United States or whatever. That's right. Go on, what, what's I yours? I can't think of one off the top of me. I've been I'm to the artichoke off. capital of the world, <laughs> which <laughs> I think is Salinas or somewhere like is that, that. Is that. In Northern California, it's kind of, it's kind of Steinbeck country. Is that I got lost city? there, and then we, walked, we drove into this small place. And there, you know, was, was a banner right across the main street proclaiming, welcome to the artichoke How do they make money out points of information? How do they make money out of the concept of being the artichoke Well, they probably do an artichoke festival. There's probably the worldwide community of people who are concerned about artichokes. Then, how many artichokes probably. can you eat, in all honesty? Well, you've had one. Points of information. Is it Globe second? or uh, Jerusalem? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking about artichoke capital. Yeah. Just down the road. <laughs> Violent competition between them, actually. A little bit, <laughs> bit of feedback here, actually. Matt, further to your announcement last week on the podcast uh, that you were moving out to Grantham. By the way, uh, I haven't seen anything to do with the internet for the whole week because the one thing we haven't got in the country is, of course, Tinternet. I thought you had. Well, yeah, we will. In, in it, it takes... It takes donkeys to get it hooked up. Anyway, Joe Fraser pointed out, said, "Welcome to Grantham." You've got the scene you know. drill, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, he's moved. He moved to Grantham last December. Oh, fantastic! Um, and uh, apparently, Vince Eager lives in Grantham. You know, he's talking about the other rock connections in Grantham. Uh, but he says the East Coast mainland's pretty reliable, though it's worth paying the extra to reserve a seat if you're going to travel during peak periods. But I can only hack commuting to East London for six months before I got a job more locally. Oh, right, okay. So your milk may be delivered by Fraser. You Fantastic. Know, is, uh, who knows? Do you um, do gold top, Fraser? <laughs> <laughs> got loads of feedback to last week's discussion about uh, quadraphonic and, uh, and eight tracks and the various, you know, moribund audio formats. And a lot of people talking about a record I knew nothing about, which is Flaming Lips' album Zareka. Z- Did you know about this? No. 
According to Backward 7, this was released on four compact discs. Do you know about this, Mark? I don't know about it. Why are you I nodding? Should. I'm nodding just to... It's what you do when just you talk encourage. to somebody on a radio. Just you nod, don't you? In an enthusiastic okay. way. This was released on four CDs, which you were supposed to play simultaneously on four CD players. Oh, that's just To achieve silly. this, you needed three friends who were willing to transport their expensive hi-fi systems to an agreed location. In this case, the lounge in my parents' house. So a logistical feat on a par with the construction of Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah, but do they have to be completely synced up then? Well, that's it. Hit the button exactly. Four, right. four sets of megalithic speakers were spaced out at separate intervals around the edge of the room. Meanwhile, we were corralled on a small island of bare carpet in the centre, which we did, which we judged the best position to savour the entire audio experience. After we hit play buttons at roughly the same time, <laughs> the reality of our I situation... I the rub. It's not ending well, it's not, it? It's not in tears. With the rea- reality began to bite. Go back. We were listening to a Flaming Lips record composed of songs we'd never heard before. The various parts of the mix seemed to be slightly out of sync with each other. Some of the hi-fi systems were louder than each other's. It wasn't very enjoyable. <laughs> Unfortunately, Zerika is three quarters of an hour long and outlives its novelty by a good 44 minutes. <laughs> That's a very good line, that is. That's the only person who's ever heard it. Yes, <laughs> and then Fraser, our own Fraser, added here that he used to work in an office where they had regular Zerika Fridays with the four CDs shared between four different computers. Was that a well-attended event, Dave? It was the bit... <laughs> It was a bit with the barking dogs that finally led to other people complaining and a ban being enforced, but by then we kept it up for several weeks. Isn't that absolutely extraordinary? I think a ban should be enforced more often, actually. <laughs> <laughs> New rock album. Yes. So, uh, Talking of syncing stuff, have you ever, have you ever tried the... Um, I've, I've only ever heard this uh, apocryphally told in pubs and never actually done it. When you sync uh, Dark Side of the Moon to um, The Wizard oh. of Oz... Oh yeah, that's, that that works apparently. Right. Yeah. Have you tried it? Yeah. No, I've never tried it. Because you know that they're it's supposed to coincide, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, the witch or yeah, whatever yeah, appears, yeah. that there is some yeah. arcane reference. But apparently, last um, the, the other year when they released, when uh, I think it was the Forward All Stars released a dub version of a reggae version of Dark Side of the Moon, called of course Dub Side of the Moon. Apparently, it was it was. Um, Scheduled exactly in the same time, so that you know. But does it just sync to a different film? Yeah. No, since we've Ventura two. Oh come on! Yeah, the kind of the kind it's of kind of students in American colleges who would do that. Porky's three. <laughs> Lemon popsicle. <laughs> Revenge of the nerds. I don't know that. Have you finished? Yeah, yeah. go on. Go on. <laughs> Uh, further to uh, when we were talking about eight tracks, uh, that Duncan Duncan Lawson got in touch um, to tell me that the drummer in ten years after whose version of Three Blind Mice we are now running on the website. Hurry, hurry, hurry! <laughs> I've got it um, in my ringtone. <laughs> Rick Lee was Rick Lee. Thank I, you. I thought it was Leo Lyons or Chick Churchill, but Rick, no, Lee. Rick Lee. I can still do it though. But the old uh, magic's still there. <laughs> he talks about his uncle Tom, who had an eight track in his car but only had one tape, okay? And it was Simon Garfunkel's greatest hits. He lived in Liverpool, and I only saw him once every year or so, but when he changed cars, he insisted the 8-track was installed in the new car, so he came to the the boxer on infinite loop. That's People's loyalty to that stuff is absolutely extraordinary. Because we were talking about the 8-track last week, 
Did you ever actually hear an eight track? Yes, I did. Yeah. Did you Did you like the way it used to stop in the middle of a song? Did it stop? It used to stop in the middle of a song and go to the next. Oh yeah, yeah, track. yeah. I remember that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely extraordinary that they ever got anybody to pay for it. You always just had them in the car. It, largely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they used to get a radio station, didn't you? I mean, well, that's where you used to play in ads and things like um, that. They were yeah. always on. Well, they're all on that kind of big cartridge, weren't they? Right, right, right. So yeah. they queued straight I've up. I've just been thinking about it and assumed that most people who were listening to 8 tracks were so out of their box on Mandrax no. they never actually noticed the gap. <laughs> <laughs> no, the people. Really <laughs> People listening to 8-tracks used to drink Watley's Red Barrel. Uh, right. Well, maybe they were so out of their box yeah. on Watley's Brandy. Red Barrel that they and, didn't you know, Strong was, stuff. There was no, you know, no drugs like that. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. So um, we've, um, we've had a, a fantastic response on the website. <laughs> anything which invites the word massive to complain about anything, they're, let me at them, you know what I mean? They just, they drop everything. It's like... That seven-year-old boy throwing dead reptiles into the uh, into the oh. crocodile house in Sydney, isn't it? Oh God! Is that actually on video? Um, I seem still. I've, I've seen the stills. I imagine it's on a very grainy. Fill me in. Fill me in. I don't know this. Uh, there's a reptile. It's not the crocodile who ate the British tourists. No, there's a reptile uh, zoo. Not with my crocodile stories. <laughs> there's a reptile zoo somewhere in Australia. I think near Sydney, but I may be wrong. Um, and the. Um, Curators came into the zoo the other week to find their collection decimated and a very pleasant and pleasantly fed, large-looking plump, sleeping, having a snooze, eleven-foot seawater uh, sea sea crocodile. No, really, yeah, just they, hoovered up a lot. Well, yeah, but they couldn't work out because he was still in his uh, in his cage. Um, and then they, they reviewed the, um, the security footage, and there was a seven-year-old boy, Mark, who jumped over the wall, beat half the collection to death. Thumped a load of marmosets. No, it was all reptiles. All reptiles, reptile, yeah. Like, you kidding? And then chucked them in the, uh, chucked them in the, He's just in a the crocodile, crocodile kind of guy. Well, I think he th- thought he'd get rid of the evidence. So, <laughs> <laughs> of his, of his decimation. By chucking, and this was all in the middle of the night. And he was seven years old, so they can't do anything. He leaves can't the, touch him. He yeah. leaves the, all can't touch him. He leaves the theory that children are naturally innocent, hold below the, yeah, yeah. the waterline. Certainly doesn't Australian really? children in that part of Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we all know, we've all got kids, they're, you know, they're little yeah. devils. Yeah, but this, ta- this takes pulling the wings off a fly to a I hate it, I hate it when you, you know your boys. kids have been out at two in the morning, breaking into a zoo, <laughs> killing a load of reptiles, oh, yeah. come back, they're all looking all in a zoo in pain, aren't they? Anyway, to return from that detail... To return to the main track here, uh, I suggested that we compile a list of the dumbest things in entertainment. So this is not personal objections to you know, people you don't like or records you don't like or books you don't like, but it's things. Things that have cliches that just irritate us. And I started it off with anti-piracy infomercials on DVDs. You know, so you're big, yeah, big point. Oh, Were well, you trying to punch through them? And you yeah. can't get past them and some the crappy things. The food's getting cold. Supposedly yeah. showing how it's financing drugs and terrorism or something like that. Really ham-fisted in the way that they're made. Uh, skits on hip-hop records, Matt. Yeah. They're just always a bad idea. Comedy tracks on hip-hop One records. time only. Not even one time. <laughs> Time-consuming flash intros on websites. You yeah. always know. If you get a, you get a website, it's got a big flash intro, you know it's been paid for by somebody who doesn't know anything about the internet. It's been shown in a boardroom to somebody who can't start a computer. Can I add that and refine it? Go on. Flash intros which have music on them. 
Oh, okay. So the music just comes up. So you're actually on a site. Yeah. So you might be listening to something else, as quite frequently I am, like some radio on my headphones or a podcast or whatever. And then you open a, open a, especially hotel sites, this happens. Yes. You open this thing, this flash intro comes on, and then music comes on. Oh, it's on horrible. The and again, always, always embarrassing in, 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 a, in an open plan office, because they know that you've gone back to the King Crimson website to see if anything's happened. So you get a 21st century schizo. Like, oh, sorry! Desperately trying to turn it down. Items on Radio 4, the Today programme particularly, about Facebook, iTunes, or anything remotely to do with the web. Rory Kellen Jones. Manfully struggling with well, getting because John, John Humphreys will always feel the need to say, "Well, if you're like me, you're not very technical." Oh, give up! You've got to stop saying that now. It's 2008. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've all got one. We've all got ten. It's you know, the, it's the it's the technological equivalent of going, "Well, obviously, if you're like me, you don't really like black people." But so <laughs> <laughs> uh, security tags on CDs that you might mean you can't get into the damn thing without breaking oh, your nails or oh. you know. Literally can't get into the CD. Anyway, that got people started and, you know, productivity in Britain on Friday. You know, credit crunch yeah. or whatever. <laughs> That's why there was... Down at Lehman Brothers, they were amusing yeah. themselves all yeah. the live long day. That's why Robert Peston was the on the news later on. screwed in, David. The, the electric trains <laughs> as were they were piling in. As they were piling in. And I picked some of my favourites, OK? And this one's sent by Sarah, who says one of the dumbest things is... Andy McDowell and Eva Longoria pretending they regularly use £4.50 bottles of hair dye. Which I think is very good. It says, even I'm worth more than that. Uh, it says, people who thank God when they win a Grammy or an Oscar. No one thanks God. Quite good point. No one thanks God for winning a Booker Prize or a Nobel Peace Prize. And I'm sure very he, important. capital H, has to pull just as many strings. That's well spotted, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very well spotted. That's very good. Uh, feeling sinister suggests hidden tracks. We're fed up with hidden tracks. Mm. What's the point of them? If they're any good, please include them with the rest of the album. Most frequently, they're, they're not, not very I good. I couldn't agree more with that one because the great thing about the hidden track was that the pre-digital, you didn't know it was coming. But now the track doesn't end. You know, the last track appears to be twelve minutes ninety-seven, and yet it expired after three minutes. And there's that sickening thing where you sit there. Wait, what was the last one that annoyed me? This was the Stone Roses. It was the Stone Roses album? Was it the hidden? Track? Oh, that was terrible. You were kind of woken up by a load of. Well, that was the idea. The you call them Spain the Bongos. Well, they were, David. I mean, Amadou and Mariam have a hidden track on this oh, record, yeah. which comes out in a month's time. This is a, quite a mainstream, extremely good. Well, the hidden track is a month later. later. No, <laughs> That's a long sleep, isn't it? Suddenly <laughs> <laughs> you're walking along the. In January, I snapped to attention. <laughs> what the hell is going on? And there they were, still quacking on. No, they're irritating. Paul Vincent. Uh, if I've got to say, I, I, I was looking at this today, and I've got a slight worry that Paul Vincent knows my mind. Yes, because he, he's same with me. I felt with many of his entries, all I could do was say, "You're absolutely yeah, right." The two, know, that, the two that, go that got on. me were the. Um, if you have been affected by any of the issues raised in this programme... Please call. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As, he, as Paul puts it, you've watched a TV drama about a mildly disturbing subject. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was your choice to that's do it the first time. Right. And you're over 18. And also, the, 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 the other Walk thing to that is that's the excuse for public service broadcasting. Yeah. The boy with a face like a fish. If you've been affected by any of the issues that's in this true. programme... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Fraser M, uh, dumbest things in entertainment. DVD menus that are so clever and or complicated, you haven't the slightest idea which item is currently highlighted. <laughs> and that's so true. 
<laughs> How many, you know, you see those screens where oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. chapter do you want to watch of, you know, The Sopranos or whatever, and you don't know if you've highlighted the right one yeah. or the wrong one yeah. until you start that damn thing. Yeah. You don't know. And all it is is designers doing these things are bored with doing them the simple yeah. way. So they do them unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. Um, Archie Valparaiso, regular contributor. It's great, to Archie. It's so nice to hear Archie and backwards getting a mention on the podcast because we publish their stuff in the magazine. Microsoft telling me every morning that I may be a victim of software piracy. No, you're the victim, Bill. I'm pleased to report I've come out of the experience unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Um, Chris G talking about stock footage that ought to be retired, which is a really good point actually. That you always see the same footage of hippies in a chain running through some park in San Francisco, followed by a girl having a face painted with a flower when they want to signal the 60s. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. When they want oh, it's to like fast-moving clouds. Fast-moving clouds or, or pages coming off a calendar. Those terrible... terrible I suppose so, but these yeah. are supposed to call up specific events. It's like BSE points out, whenever anybody wants to talk about BSE or modern farming, they all show the same footage of a cow staggering about, yeah. which was shot absolutely years ago. Uh, Bathmats, what a fine screen name that is, uh, talks about non-fiction books now being hyped as funny, which is a really good point. Ever since Bill Bryson revolutionised travel books, almost every popular non-fiction book on travel, science, nature, economics, sociology, whatever, <coughs> is inevitably hyped as being a hilarious, witty, amusing romp, view. A roller coaster romp. Of Angola. Half a minute. <laughs> the DNA of the fruit fly on national socialism. They're the in Biafran my... War. Yeah, yes. Oh, my aching sides. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's true. It's no, very true. It's very true. And, uh, and I've lost Piers Bogan. So, and then people get onto the subject of Joe Wiley, and then everybody loses the will to live. <laughs> totally. So, my my favourite, I was mentioning this to my brother at the, at the weekend, and his, uh, his contribution was pointless tra journeys on travel programmes. Why is Charlie Borman? Going why why Charlie Borman on a Sunday night? But why is Charlie Borman going from um, is it Ireland to Australia? The only thing because he's got make, a deal. Yeah, but the only thing that would make that program interesting if he decided to recreate the enforced okay. transportation of uh, convicts from right. Ireland to Australia in the 1880s. I put him in the hold of a prison ship. Keep him there. <laughs> throw him a, <laughs> a rotten loaf and a few fish. Talking of travel, chuck a couple in. Go on. Oh, yeah. the things that go, go, on, go on, go on. Very very briefly. I don't know if it annoys anybody else, but casual news reporting. Really annoys me. Oh, I'm getting to the point where I th maybe I'm just getting old. I used to love it when you know Richard Baker. In fact, Martin Lewis, I think, still does this. At the end of it, you know, he's still sitting down. And he puts his pen in his pocket and he shuffles his papers and turns off his computer. And you felt that you were getting a kind of official, formal, responsible line on the news. And now you kind of come into the news um, studio as if uh, they're actually involved in something else. You know, Fiona Bruce or something. He's sitting on the edge of a desk. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Showing her legs. That's Showing her legs. And quite possibly. And you feel that actually she'd much worse. She's actually on her way somewhere. She's on her way to the water cooler to talk to a terribly attractive young man, possibly going out having a glass of yes. lady petrol later on. But sorry, you've, you've caught me. Oh, yeah, the news. And it's presented as if it doesn't really matter. Why would you talk about the news? This somebody, oh, somebody actually wants to do the news on a stairway. Was it? Oh, yeah, Kate, the, the, um, the new fashion is now doing news standing up, isn't it? Because yeah. News standing up. more and more engaging. And, uh, and also you can see the newsreader's legs so the newsreader gives them an excuse have you ever seen Hi, Martin Lewis's legs blondes you know yeah. that's basically what they're doing isn't it but also this ties in with another thing that came up here on the, on the same thread which is a personal personal bugbear of mine why do they need so many people to present the news why do they need so many specialists right 
It's quite simple to say, you know, credit crunch, here's the story. I can understand that you might need a finance expert. You don't actually need a sports reporter to tell you what the football scores are. No. You don't actually need a weather person. No. You know, it's going to rain. It's, it's yeah. quite simple. So you have loads and loads of presenters. And then they are spending a huge proportion of their time saying thank you to each other. And now over to Jeff. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. And uh, let me tell you about Sansa. And now over to Jane. Brilliantly sent up by, you know, by Chris Morris from the day to day. Remember those links you used to do? <laughs> Valerie, talk me some road. <laughs> Go to traffic girl. <laughs> Collaterally sisters on the, on the stock exchange. It's true, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You just get more and more people. Yeah. You just get this crowded studio as if, as if we don't believe in the authority of the weather unless it's told to us by, by some, somebody with the Midlands accent, usually. Yeah. Uh, well, they have a lot of really bad weather, so they probably know more about it. Well, they, well no, they're in the middle of it, so they all have, there's a bit of everything. A bit of everything, yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's a they've, they've always yeah. got that kind of... Four seasons in one day. <laughs> they've always got that kind of cheer-up duck, you know, kind of uh, tenor to their conversation, haven't they? Yeah. Can I moan about buying uh, pop t- r- r- concert tickets on, on the internet? Am I allowed to do that? Is that allowed? Please Anyone else listening, I don't know if this has expression. Is it just me, Matt and David? Is it just me? Last well, yeah, time, in this room oh, it is, because you're the only person who goes to gigs, Mark. I did promise my wife that I would take her to see the mighty Leonard Cohen, because she was abroad when he played in the summer, right? And I just, by the time I got around to try and buy some tickets uh, on the internet, could you imagine just looking at his watch? I can't believe I just started embarking on a little monologue. David's oh. leaving the room. <laughs> Can you imagine that? He's literally leaving the room. And Matt's looking at his watch. Carry on, I believe this. Mark. Anyway, Matt, Matt, so I, by the time I get onto the... To see if I can buy the tickets, because they're all gone, right? They're all gone. But last night I'm tipped off at a party that Leonard Cohen's added two extra dates at the Royal Albert Hall in November. So I hair home from this party, straight on the thing. Don't want to tell my wife what I'm doing, because I kind of promised her I've got the tickets anyway, right? And it's one of those awful things where it doesn't tell you which tickets are still available. So you say, I'll have £100 tickets. And eventually you go through this whole rigmarole, and then they're gone. So you try the 85, gone. Eventually we're left with only two tickets in the Royal Albert Hall are left. And they're presumably right up there in the gods. Probably restricted restricted behind an enormous pillar. Right. We can't behind see an organ pipe. or hear anything. Behind an organ pipe. Exactly. They're behind the stage. Not even in front of it, right? And it's £75 plus all that. It's about £85 each, right? It's 175 quid anyway in total. And I'm going to have to pay for these things. And then you fill in that little thing and you've got to put your password in. And then they tell you it's got to be over nine letters and it's got to have a numeral. But I'm telling you, ask you whether you've got to put in your, your first, third, and ninth character. You realise you've only put eight in. You've got to go back to the beginning. And each time is a thing of the Top staying, saying, you have six minutes, 15 seconds before these things will be made available to someone else. And you're perspiring, your, your wife starts saying, have you got the tickets? Everything's fine. Everything's fine. So then I'm shouting to my youngest son, going, Rob, get up here quick, get my glasses, I can't read the screen, you know. It reminded me of that awful um, sketch once, I think it might have been a fast show sketch about a father who does the DIY, do you remember that? And it's just brilliant, it ends with the two children and the mother down at the bottom of the garden and the, and the child's going, Mum, I'm frightened. And all you can hear is this crashing and banging as the father is drilling things and the plasterboard's fallen over. It's the idea that you know, he's so incompetent that the whole family is made to feel miserable. Sorry, I've got no more to say. Dave's back, by the way. Did, Matt, did, stop did you get the watch. tickets? Yeah, yes, I did get the tickets, David. Do you, I, do I told you, my wife... Have you used the password before, we, Mark? No, I'm not good at this stuff, though. No, John Humphreys of the, of the Word Podcast. It's important. Yeah. I, I don't really think we're saying You have four minutes and 12 seconds left. There's always something you've done wrong. A magazine, a website, a podcast, The Word. While we were talking about telly, so I'm going to go back to telly because I've just... It's been obsessing me with this, and I've got to get it off my chest somewhere. And The Word Podcast 
wordmagazine.co.uk is the perfect place to do it. Go on. Did you see the documentary that was on, sort of travel documentary on a couple of weeks ago? Joanna Lumley goes to see the Northern Lights. No. We haven't talked about this. No, we haven't. Okay. Joanna Lumley, got nothing against Joanna Lumley. Done she, sterling work for the Gurkhas. Absolutely. <laughs> she's done very good work Make for a great the Gurkhas. newsreader. <laughs> and she's born and brought up in the Far East. Yeah. So, you know, hot temperature. Whatever. Yeah. I used to read children's books about the frozen north and was very taken <clears throat> by the idea of the Northern Lights. Are you going to see the Northern Lights? Was uh, it, who was that I'm talking to recently that was going to see the Northern Lights? No, the pals of mine are up there now. Okay. Anyway. With Jarvis Cocker and Martha Wayne. Right, of course we're talking yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. We're going to run a piece uh, about that. Okay. Right, They're not that's buying good. Iceland, are they? I think you can get it quite cheap. You can get Iceland very cheap. We're going to have an offer on Iceland yeah. later on. Okay. Anyway, everybody knows it goes to see the Northern Lights. It's a pretty, bit of hit and miss affair, isn't it? The atmospheric conditions have to be absolutely right before you see it. Doesn't it's not there. You can't dial it up. So Joanna Lumley is going to see the Northern Lights, okay, on BBC. What's your prediction? Is she going to see them, or is she not going to see them, Matt? Um, given that you've decided to raise this in a public forum, I guess maybe she doesn't see them. Do no, no, there is no program if she doesn't see them. Oh, right. no, she yeah. has to see. She them has to. That's see. the point of the program. That's What's the point of a program? One hour. Joanna Lumley goes to see the Northern Lights. Fifty-eight minutes into it, do you know what? It's cloudy, or we've come on the wrong month. When is work? Absolutely, Mark. I agree with you. She's clearly going to see the Northern Lights, which is not something that's guaranteed to everybody who spends a week in northern Norway. Yeah. It's not Bill Bryson famously waited Bill 10 Bryson. days. Okay, he? when did Bill Bryson see the Northern Lights in his book, Neither Here Nor There, or whatever it's called, the one uh, where he goes around uh, Europe? North to South, uh, I don't know, because it's February, I don't know. But well, was... no, whatever. During his stay, at what point during his stay does he see the Northern Lights? Because I remember this, I read it. All I can remember is he has to extend his stay for a very he long time. He sees it the last night. Yeah. His very last opportunity is his return tickets booked, Last night is when he sees it. When is Joanne Lumley going to see the Northern Lights? Her last night! You know what I mean? And then in the credits, at the end, it was presented in the programme as, and then, just as we were about to give up, look, the sky, lo, the heavens <laughs> filled, and, the, and Billy, it was fantastic. But then again, anything. Was it stock footage? I'm going to bring you to that. I'm going to come to that. Are we legally allowed to just that Lumley's been put on a blue screen? (laughs) You look at anything spectacular (laughs) on a TV screen nowadays. What's your assumption? That they've done it digitally. It's what you're going to think, isn't it? It's it's part of the TV experience. Anyway, no, it's a miracle. Look, camera, point, oh, fantastic. You then see in the credits at the end of the programme, special Northern Lights photography by, you know... Unpronounceable Norwegian team. Industrial Light and Magic. By <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg. That's right. <laughs> the point is, that's the only way you get to do it. You know, TV cannot turn up on the off chance no. that anything is going to yeah. occur. You look at the schedule. And then point a camera it's, at it. It's, it's, it's not going to do it. For hair and makeup, 12 o'clock. Light lunch, Waldorf salad, 1. Northern Lights, 2.15. <laughs> Are you there, Miss Lumley? Yeah. Northern she's, she's in her carriage. She's in her trailer. The Northern Quick, Lights the Northern are ready Lights for their close-up now. <laughs> Northern Lights. They've got, a cab, the best they've got a cab for the Northern Lights at 4 o'clock. Because <laughs> yeah. they've got to be somewhere else. Yes. Ad- Addison Lee are holding. The Northern Lights have left the building. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a health and safety, you know, uh, assessment, all that. You know, it's like, much as I enjoyed it as a programme, I just thought... This TV Fake is such a, it's a stitch-up. It has to be a stitch-up. You know what I mean? 
you can't make a TV program where Joe and Lonely goes on, see the Northern Lights at five to ten, goes, well, sadly, yeah. we didn't. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's going to be lynch mobs at Television Centre if that happens, isn't that? Anyway, got that off my chest. The word. I just remembered the best hidden track ever. Come on, well, Monty Python's. Um, was it? Was it? Was it? Uh, matching tie and handkerchief. Now that was a hidden track. Just it's come to me. Do you remember that? They produced a record in about. Matt, you're not old enough to remember this. I'd about 1974, they produced a record, which basically you played one side. It was 30 minutes long. You played the other side. It was 15 minutes long. And what it was was two grooves within yeah. each other. So you had a 50% chance of dropping the needle down and hitting one completely different 15-minute groove. Wow. And hey, we were sitting there at college and, uh, you know, putting the skins together, probably. <laughs> and uh, Dave was reading Proust and Dave was reading The Sorrows of Young Werther by Goethe, weren't you, Dave? Dave was translating some terribly complicated Chinese text where we were putting the skins together and sitting on a scatter cushion and listening to Monty Python's Flying Circus. I think he was hilarious. Anyway, that was the only decent hidden track. So I've got that off my chest now. Right, move on. Because now moving, you know, we can do this forever, you know. Just move from one thing to the other. (laughs) Monty Python, I was thinking of Monty Python the other day when I was, I interviewed Clive James and Pete Atkin for a a backstage podcast, which you can now find on the website. And they were talking about how they, um, their last album for RCA in the mid-70s was a contractual obligation, which they just kind of knocked off as a laugh. And Clive James says he'd like to call back all the copies because it's actually got him singing on it. Yeah. You know? And oh, it's, yeah. me, it's a good list, that is. Contractual Obligation Records. Monty Python made a record called the, the Monty Python Contractual Obligation Album, didn't they? Have you ever heard Van Morrison, uh, that... I can't remember the name of the oh, record. Oh, it's Paul. The last that? record he made for Bang. It was a double album they put out. He's uh, <laughs> Van Morrison being an absolute sweetheart. Doesn't he sort of go, this is the bridge, this is the chorus. And, I mean, just, just, and, no, he's actually one song specifically about somebody in the record company. He made, he made a record, he made a, a couple of records with a guy called Burt Burns. Uh, Burt Burns is a terrific songwriter, producer, and a bit of a hack. And no longer with us. And like lots of New York record men, probably fairly tasty in the way he did things, certainly in those days. Um... <laughs> And he took the unpromising, you know, potato face to Van Morrison out of <laughs> Belfast. Completely spud headed lunatic. And gave him a couple of, you know, huge hit records for which Van clearly never forgave him, you know. Yeah. And, you know, Van turned on him immediately and had to turn out a record for a. It's called Blind My Mind, isn't it? That yeah. record. Yeah. And it's the most extraordinary. It's just a, guys, a bunch of guys jamming in the studio while Van just, you know, extemporizes in a profane manner, you know, uh, after it. Did you? Did we talk last week about the 40th anniversary of Astral Weeks? No, we didn't. That was a couple of weeks ago. Neither did we talk about the end of Shea Stadium. Oh, well, can I just do Van Morrison first? Okay. yeah. So, last two weeks ago was the 40th anniversary of when they recorded Astral Weeks, which I think was done in, like, two days, okay, and which is astonishing. And, I mean, if you go and listen to it now, it is unbelievably right record, you know. It is. Most, most other records have dated. Astral Weeks has not at all. And will suggested. never. And will never. And Moon Dance the same. Just absolutely Brilliant extraordinary. Right. And, uh, and I was reading about... Um, <laughs> however, Veed and Fleece and Sodomic's preview <laughs> of their time. <laughs> however, nearly everything else, yeah. Uh, but it, but um, I was reading about... He recorded You're just the, dying to get into a bit of Van Morrison kicking, aren't you? <laughs> now, we're, we're being nice about it, Dave. Carry on, yeah. <laughs> He's about to... I was reading on the website yesterday. He's about to tour that record with some of... He claims some of the musicians who played in the original. 
which I find it hard to believe. Because these guys were quite established jazzers at the time, you know, were members of the modern jazz quartet, and Richard Richard Davis, the bass player, I think, so, you right. know, proper proper jazz musicians who didn't really make pop records. And I was reading an interview with one of them, who said he didn't like Van Morrison at all because his attitude was just terrible. Now no. we tend to think <laughs> we sort of Van Morrison half day. Are you sure? But seems extraordinary. We tend to think dealing with uh, dealing with Van later on in his career that his his attitude is the result of embittering experiences, right? With you know managers and record companies and the hacks and so forth. But no, on the day that he made his greatest record with fabulous musicians who were far more qualified than he was, he was a pain in the ass then. Yeah. You know what I mean? He never told them what he wanted at all. So the idea is going to call them up 40 years later and say, you know, how about doing, you know, Slim Slow's Lie Down live? Well, I suppose if it's large enough sum of money, they might do it. I think the, the money would have to be right. So, uh, right, so that's Van Morrison, 40 years since Astral Weeks. Uh, what was the one you Shea just said? Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium, closed. Shea closed. Stadium, where Stadium Rock was invented. Yeah. It's closed? Um, yeah, closed a few weeks ago. Um, I'm, the, I'm out of touch. The, the Knicks lost, um, they didn't make it to the playoffs, and so therefore... They've closed the old girl down. Oh, is it it's because of the team, is it? No, I mean, they're, they're, they're moving to a new stadium. Right. Quite coincidentally, there's a new there's a clash is live at the Chase Stadium. Yes. It's released yes, it this week, isn't it? Yeah, it's but that's really good, I have to say. What that doesn't, what it's the, in the pouring rain as well. You can hear they, them complaining about the rain. There's a bit of the, of the rewriting of the mythology of the clash, because it's always the clash at Shea Stadium, not brackets supporting the Who, who everyone had really come to oh, see. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the clash's gig at Shea Brilliant Stadium. Yeah. It was like Guns N' Roses' first single. They were actually supporting somebody else, but they... Uh, oh, mate, Miles, Andy. Andy, um, not Andy. Nick, Nick um, I forgot his name now. <laughs> Nigel Dick. Nigel Dick recorded it. Do you remember? That's oh, the yeah, Paradise City. You see, you see them playing this gigantic stadium. Yes. Yeah. I think they probably the had to sort of out a few posters saying, <laughs> whatever it was, you know, Motley Crue, or whatever it was, yeah. nothing, you know. Talking of huge gigs, you went to the Billy Bragg Buskathon. Oh, Billy Bragg! I did. I, I, I quite like this. I'm, 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 I'm quite keen on. In fact, I'm never happier with in the middle of a large number of people at some musical event. I don't know why that is. Actually, I'm a rather community spirited sort of person. So I jumped on me. Being tall helps. Kind of being like tall, yeah. No, I jumped on my bike, went down to this because Billy Bragg was doing a Buskathon. And I thought it was absolutely wonderful. They just basically brag with a couple of people I know. Actually, a guy called Lou, who's in the Mekons, and a lovely guy called Ben Mandelson. Uh, played this no show on the South Bank. The no relation. <laughs> what a lovely idea. He couldn't get his brother Peter. He's had dinner with Peter Manson, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, tell his stories later. Uh, uh, yeah, I have actually, yeah. And uh, I had dinner with Peter Manson, and one thing he said to me at one point, he looked very bored with what I was saying. He said, he said to me, he said, I must go pee pee. <laughs> And disappeared to the lavatory. I don't think he ever came back. So you were halfway through an anecdote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. I was telling him something. That's I saw. Him. Yeah, he said, "I must go, baby." And this became, still is actually, in, in, in Word magazine's office. This phrase is still used when you're mid. In the middle of a middle of a bit of an anecdote, somebody was like, "I must go, baby." <laughs> this terribly camp way. <laughs> But anyway, enough about Mandy. No, no, Billy, Billy Bragg comes on. Did really do it yeah, in the middle did, yeah. of your story? Yeah, right I never also. knew that. Mandelson had, uh, he has another, uh, uh, I hope this will never get back to me, he has another rather irritating, uh, uh, rather irritating oh, trait. escapes the bridge of I darkness. Know, which is that when you're talking to him, he, he wears that expression, which is imagine he wears for virtually everybody, actually, which is one of, of kind of long-suffering, kind of attempted indulgence on your behalf. And what he does is he suspends his chin, I'm doing it now, on a kind of suspension bridge of fingers. 
like <laughs> puts his head slightly on one side, looks up at you with his great big eyes. Kicks out the say, You are literally the most boring man I've ever met in my life, and I've met some boring men. No, Billy Bragg. What, what delighted me about Billy Bragg is that he's just such a fantastic champion. Also, he's a perfect person, actually. And I don't mean this in any way disrespectfully, but he's the perfect person to lead a buskathon because he doesn't have a perfect voice, nor is, is he the perfect guitar player. So a load of people turned up with guitars of all ages and stood there, and behind him were four people with chord charts. So it would go, you know, stand by me. It would go G, and then E minor, and then F, and then D. It was really fantastic. And everyone was dished out with these uh, song words uh, so they could all join in, you know. And uh, what I, I, and he sang uh, Keep On Running and uh, he did one of his own songs with New England. He did Walk on the Wild Side. It was an extraordinary lyric to do, I would have thought, with the young children present. Uh, Mr. Tambourine and stuff. Mr. Tambourine Man. But um, what I really adored about him was that he has this absolutely fantastic way of... of of kind of soliciting a response from a crowd. He's a real old music hall showman, Billy Bragg, right? There's a bit in Stand By Me where you've got to imagine that the audience is singing, right? And Billy Bragg is cupping his ear theatrically to, to encourage them. So they're going, well, I won't. And he's going, you won't what? Feeling free? <laughs> won't feel afraid? Good. And I won't what? Shed a tear. Just as long as what? Just as long as who? You stand where? By me. I can do that, no problem. Darling, darling, stand where? By me. I can do that. It was just absolutely brilliant. I just, I just thought this is, this is where his 30 years of showmanship really come through. Absolutely, yeah. that's a good thing. It's that's superb. a good thing. This weekend I went to the, the Prix de l'Art de Triomphe in Paris. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. My annual jaunt to the horses. I go with a load of people who know about horse flesh. I know nothing about horse flesh, so I adopt the pop music betting, you know, horse selection uh -huh. procedure. Always bet on dusty carpet, though. Going to tell you a heartbreaking story now, okay? In race one, I backed Styx, S-T-Y-X, you know, okay. Canadian pomp group, yeah. weren't there or something? That's, that's still running. In the second race, I backed... <laughs> I bet Green Malalishi, there was a false start, you know, the race had the... Was there a horse called Green Malalishi? There was a horse Excellent called Green, Green Malalishi. In the third race, I was a bit stuck, so I, um, I backed Pill. I know it's P-I-L-L, -L, but it, right, yeah. to my mind, it, yeah. uh, it, was, it was public image limited. Dusty uh, carpet takes a lot of beating, Dave. And in the fourth race, I backed... Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> In the fourth race, fourth race, I backed Intense Focus, you know, in, oh, right. in, in memory of the... Hocus kind of Pocus, Dutch, Jan Ackerman, Dutch Prog Rock, Tisha from Lear. Um, uh, I can't remember what I did in the one... When I, yeah, oh, I had something called Gloria in the next one, you know, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. them. In the main race of Real Art of Dream, there was nothing with a pop music connection at right. all, so I backed the second favourite, and that, which actually came second, so that, that's all right. Yeah. But then we had to leave, okay... We had to leave, and I missed the last race. Right, so what could Where you... Well, my selection would have been obvious had I looked at the card. My selection would have been Led Zepp. Ah. Oh. Where did it come? It won. Oh, oh you're kidding. Oh, Dave, this is a heartbreaking story. And presumably none of the others it, even it, showed. None of, the, none of the others. They are pulling milk carts around that, you know, that arena right now. Yeah. Glue factories. Like, whatever the French version of Winnelot, the guy was stood at there. <laughs> yeah. came rocked it at probably at very long odds, actually. So you know. came back shirtless. Uh, you know, luckily I didn't invest uh, huge sums of money, um, so that's all right. So, um, is that all we've got to say? Tell, tell the good people, I'll tell the good people that our new magazine's coming out. Today. Is it today? What's today? It'll be out. It's, it's already out. out. Subscribers, if you've got the good sense to subscribe, 
You love how the copies in Saturday. It's very, very good. I'll point your, I'll point you towards all well, various things actually. Guy Garvey of elbows on the cover. It's a terrific issue. But people a, trying to guess. There's a wonderful piece in it, people which is cause, causing a lot of controversy already. Which is that we've run a? Have you seen this? Moment? We've run a pop quiz. I have, and we've invited eight very, very brave members of the Fleet Street Press mm. um, to have a crack at these nine impossible questions, mm. who all did fantastically well. So that's quite some entertaining. weller than others. Some weller than others, admittedly. I would have pretended to be away. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done it. I, 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 I could answer four of the nine questions, and they were only because I wrote those four questions myself. That's the only reason why I knew the answer. And then had to look up the answers. Because don't, so, yeah. don't you think, seriously, it's almost impossible to win pop quizzes nowadays, because yeah. pop is now too big. Yeah. If you know about one bit... By definition, you don't know about well, well, Mr. Harrison, which this, Paris, this regularly takes part in pop quizzes, doesn't he? But, uh, no, but, but he very often take along an old hippie. What he like does, me, he brings along. A he takes along yeah. an old hippie to cover off yeah. the uh, spooky tooth end of things. So yeah. He's going to take along Jude Rogers of Kate Moss or somebody to cover off um, current you pop. Know, yeah, girls allowed, yeah. and he can sit there and concentrate on the Aphex twins, which is <laughs> his special <laughs> subject. <Yeah. laughs> so you know, see if you can do that quiz. It's, it's on the website as well, wordmagazine.co.uk. Um, so Guy Garvey on the cover, uh, excellent CD on the cover. Um, Super. What else is inside? Um, there's a, blank, I haven't got a copy. I haven't got a copy in front of me now. Can't think. Uh, lots there's of a very good article on uh, people who uh, pretend to be other people. Oh, yeah, that's a really, I really like that. Really interesting. It was all based on something that I'd only heard the other day, because Rob Hughesy wrote it and told me about it, which is that someone had been going around um, Minnesota, I think it was, impersonating David Lee Roth of Van, of Van Halen, very successfully, to the extent that uh, he spent most of his time sort of, uh, you know, with very attractive women on either arm. Um, Getting them to take the brown M&M's out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a very interesting. No, lots of good stuff. Ronnie, Get in. Can we just... There's one thing we, we forgot to mention. Ronnie Wood. Uh, tell me the story. Is he still that 19-year-old girl? He's back, yeah. And Joe Wood, officially the longest-suffering wife <laughs> in rock. St. Joe. Has just, and she is. Uh, but she's just... Has she, she the, the end of the tether been reached? I think... <laughs> here's, the, the, here's the tether, right? Here's the end of it, right? Get in a bus... Travel for three days with a thermos of soup and a large collection of sandwiches. Keep going, right? With Joe, you still haven't reached how far she is away from the end of it. Can't even see the fucking thing. It's in the distance, I promise you. So Ron, when he wants to have a, you know, an assignation with this uh, young enough to be his granddaughter a woman... Um, is this the young, young lass from Eastern Europe still? Uh, yes. It is, yeah. Um, Cocktail you know, waitress. Where, where does he go? Where does he go? Somewhere discreet? Does he go to the little chef on the A1, you know? Or does he go to somewhere in Grantham? The OK Diner. Or... <laughs> I'd love that. Or... Can walking into or the does he, ta- you know, uh, go to one of the major name restaurants in London? Ooh. Where he's bound... And, be- and sit near the window where he's bound to be photographed? Uh. <laughs> That's what he does. Talk, I'm sorry, I'm not leaving this alone, actually. While we're on the, this photo opportunities thing, have you followed the Danny Cipriani story? And Kelly Brook. Danny Cipriani, they, right. you know, the, the coming boy of English rugby, yeah? yeah? Uh, just come back from injury. Clearly, he's got an agent who thinks this boy is going to be the David Beckham of rugby. Yeah, yeah. And Kelly Brook, you know, we always, the only thing anybody knows about Kelly Brook is who she's dating at yeah. any given time. He's 20, she's 28, okay? Clearly, somebody has put the two of them together and say, you now make a celebrity couple. And all over the papers yesterday was a photograph of the two of them having a cup of coffee, 
outside a restaurant. Now, you don't do that. Hey, you don't, if, you, if you want to carry on in an affair and you don't want to be disturbed by, you know, and you're a famous person, you don't want to be disturbed by paparazzi, you don't go, you don't go to a restaurant and you certainly don't sit outside the restaurant in a nice sunlit table just where they can take maximum number of pictures from, you know, uh, across Good the road. Passage. And all I'm thinking Dave, to myself... I hate to tell you, but these are the curious ways of showbiz. <laughs> OK. It may be a terrible revelation. This is the business of show. Scales may be falling from your eyes. <laughs> so yesterday... There are people out there pulling strings and attempting to deceive us <laughs> into believing. Okay. Yesterday, I saw this on the paper and I thought, this lad is, is lining up appalling trouble for himself on the field. Because, you know, <laughs> they don't stand for that in football, let alone rugby. You know what I mean? Fancy Dan behaviour. Somebody's going to rearrange his features at the bottom of a, of a rock, you know, yeah. take that pretty boy. It happened yesterday in training. His own team. Yeah. He turned up to training. Well, he got on the, on the Josh the Lucy tuned him. You know, he had to go home early. You know, so, uh, so you know, Danny, it may be great to be on the page of the low, but there is a price to be yeah. paid. And, yeah. uh, you know. and invariably, it'll be on a wet field somewhere yes. in North Africa. <laughs> Probably <laughs> with a Welshman's boot in the nose. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.